All right. Good evening, Crypt Keepers, and welcome to another episode of Cryptique. I'm joined, as always, by a man who constantly rolls his third eye at me, Ryan. <laughs> well, if I, knew What's you, up? if I knew that you knew about it, I might, I might not have. It's creepy, man. It's really yeah. creepy. All right, well, that's all I got. <laughs> that's not bad. That's okay. you very topical. I'm good. I'm good now that we've, yeah, now that we've done our usual uh, ritual of working out technical issues. Right. Today was my turn. I'm pretty good. <laughs> How are you doing? Uh, I'm tired too. I'm sure I'm not as tired as you, but uh, how many hours of sleep are you getting tonight? I got almost eight last night, actually. Wow. And I'm like tired because my body's not used to it. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, the baby was fussy, so I just did what I've learned works. Mm-hmm. And I watched two hours worth of break, or not Breaking Bad, Better Call Saul. And she finally fell asleep around two-ish. Yeah. What does uh, what does a Ryan lullaby sound like? Um, what do I sing? <clears throat> I have a habit of like whatever song I've heard recently. Uh huh. I sing that, and I just like replace lyrics. <laughs> whatever occurs to me in the moment, like I come up with my own weird owl version. Kim has told me I have quite a talent for it. She's like, you know, normal people can't just do that. And then I, after I do it, I don't remember what I sang. You just freestyle lullaby rapping. Good to <laughs> Not know. exactly, because it's like to the to the, the tune of like "Kiss from a Rose" oh, or God. "My Old School" or whatever I've heard recently. "Steel Steely Dan." Sometimes it's like a rock song or metal song. Sometimes it's Hot Rod Lincoln. So. <laughs> All right, well, you want to tell them what they need to know so we can get into this exciting, enigmatic topic? Sure. Once again, we are calling for your help. If you're into our show and want to show us us a little love, you can do that on your particular platform of choice. Like, stars, subscriptions, ratings, reviews, all that stuff helps. And if you have a spooky or mysterious story of your own or feedback or a topic you want us to cover, you can shoot us a quick email at crypticpodcast.gmail.com. If you want to connect with us on TikTok and YouTube, you can do that at cryptic underscore podcast or cryptic podcast, respectively. And don't forget about the cryptic, creepy, paranormal gear stuff that we're working on at Cryptic Podcast Store, and as always, check out Parabox in the show notes. They, I mean, I say it every week, great designs, really clever, the kind of shirts that make me stop people and be like, I like that. So if you want Ryan to stop you, if you want to be bothered by people. <laughs> it's funny how often I'll, like, I'll see a... I saw somebody walking by with a meat watch shirt from uh-huh. Teen Hunger Force on Adult Swim. Uh-huh. And I didn't even notice it because it was like a black and white shirt. Uh-huh. But I passed him in the doorway and I just had to turn and I was like, that's a great shirt. And he like stopped and looked down and looked up and he was like, oh, thanks. They had to remember <laughs> what I was wearing for a second. It's, <laughs> it's kind of amazing how much people wear like really 
cool shirts and then they don't remember. <laughs> right. Well, now that the business is out of the way, tell us what we're talking about. We are talking about the third eye or the pineal gland, as you kind of alluded to before. The pineal gland found in the brain of most vertebrates is a small endocrine gland that produces melatonin, a hormone that regulates sleep patterns in daily and yearly cycles. Its shape resembles a pine cone, hence the name. Located in the epithalamus between the two brain hemispheres, it sits in a groove where the thalamus halves meet. The pineal gland is a neuroendocrine secretory gland with permeable capillaries allowing solutes from the blood to pass through it. Solutes, I guess solutions. <laughs> I'm probably pronouncing some of the medical words wrong. No surprise. In certain amphibians and reptiles, it is connected to a light sensing organ known as the parietal eye or third eye. Evolutionary evidence suggests that the pineal gland may have originated as an atrophied photoreceptor before developing into a neuroendocrine organ. The ancient Greeks initially believed it to be a valve regulating the flow of pneuma, while Galen considered it a structural support for brain tissue. Now I know my next lullaby is going to be the Pneuma Pneuma song. Do you remember that from like the early 2000s, late 90s? No. Oh. Look up Pneuma Pneuma guy. You'll, you should remember it. Its name derived from the Greek word canario, meaning cone or pine cone, was later translated to Latin as pinealis during the Renaissance. In the 17th century, Rene Descartes ascribed a mystical purpose to the gland, calling it the principal seat of the soul. But in the mid-20th century, its true biological role as a neuroendocrine organ was discovered. Wow. Finally. Finally. <laughs> All right, let's talk a little bit about the etymology. The structure. The pineal gland is a pine cone-shaped unpaired midline brain structure. It is reddish gray in color and about the size of a grain of rice in humans. It's actually a little bit bigger, but that's a good uh, reference point. It forms part of the epithalamus and it is attached to the rest of the brain by a pineal stalk. So if I'm right about brain structure, which is highly unlikely, it's the uh, only part of the brain that doesn't have two parts it's just one most of the time when you're talking about brain structure you're talking about left side right side you know but in any case the pineal gland is typically found in a groove between the two superior colliculi which we talked about the gland is located at the back of the third ventricle and surrounds a small recess filled with cerebrospinal fluid, which extends into the stalk of the gland. All right, you want to tell us about blood supply? Because this is important. This, and we're going to go through the science of it. This whole episode is not going to be about naming parts of the brain and stuff. This is just some stuff that we're throwing out there to kind of give you a little bit of a background. But tell us about the blood supply. The pineal gland differs from most parts of the mammalian brain as it is not separated from the body by the blood-brain barrier. It receives a rich blood supply second only to the kidney through the choroidal branches of the posterior cerebral artery. The pineal gland receives sympathetic inputs from the superior cervical ganglion and parasympathetic inputs from the pterygopalatine ganglia and otic ganglia. All right. 
So, it's a neural pathway for melatonin production. The primary neural pathway involved in regulating melatonin production in the pineal gland starts in the eye. It begins with the intrinsically photosensitive ganglion cells of the retina, which send inhibitory signals to the paraventricular nucleus of the hypothalamus through the retinohypothalamic tract. The paraventricle nucleus, in turn, sends signals to the superior cervical ganglia, which ultimately transmits signals to the pineal gland. In the absence of light, also known as darkness, the paraventricular nucleus is disinhibited, leading to its activation of melatonin production in the pineal gland through the superior cervical ganglia. Basically, what's being said is that somehow through the, I guess, the pineal stalk, the photoreceptors in the eyes or, or the cones, well, basically the eye sends signals to the third eye or pineal gland saying, hey, it's dark. And the pineal gland's like, okay, it's time to release melatonin. It releases melatonin, you get sleepy and you go to sleep. What's interesting? We talked about in a past episode about how to see spirits basically and the gentleman that we had on the show talked about how you can see spirits by using the cones in your eye where you where they're kind of located around in your uh, peripheral vision right well guess what guess what the pineal glands filled with cones those cones to see spirits with no rods just cones yeah yeah just uh just cones all right tell us about the microanatomy in humans the pineal gland is composed of lobular parenchyma which consists of pinealocytes surrounded by spaces of connective tissue the gland surface is covered by a pile capsule while the majority of the pineal gland is made up of pinealocytes, four other cell types have also been identified, and this is a description of each type of cell. Pinealocytes, which have a cell body with four to six processes and are responsible for producing and releasing melatonin. Interstitial cells, which are found between the pinealocytes, they have elongated nuclei and their cytoplasm appears darker compared to pinealocytes. Paravascular phagocytes, the pineal gland contains numerous capillaries, Due to its cellular nature, the pineal gland may resemble a tumor when examined, especially in comparison to the cortex and white matter. Boom. So that is pretty much it for this in-depth science lesson. So congratulations. You made it through. Here comes the fun part. Let's talk about development. In humans, the pineal gland undergoes growth until one to two years of age and then maintains a stable size. However, its weight gradually increases during puberty and beyond. High levels of melatonin in children are thought to inhibit sexual development, and pineal tumors have been associated with the early onset of puberty. As puberty begins, the production of melatonin decreases. So we'll talk about at some point the speeding up of sexual development that has kind of taken place over, you know, the past, I don't know, what do you say, two decades maybe? Yeah. 
but we'll talk about its function after a quick break. Welcome back, Crypt Keepers. More booty, tell us about the function. The pineal gland plays a role in producing melatonin, as we've mentioned before, which has several functions in the central nervous system. One of its primary functions is to help regulate sleep patterns. Melatonin production is triggered by darkness and suppressed by light. In the process of melatonin production, light-sensitive cells in the retina detect light and send signals then to the spinal cord and ultimately through the sympathetic system to the superior cervical ganglia, or SCG. Finally, the signal reaches the pineal gland. Additionally, the pineal gland is said to produce a compound called pineline, which is classified as one of the which is classified as one of the beta carbolines. Studies conducted on rodents indicate that the pineal gland has an impact on the secretion of sex hormones. When rodents undergo a removal of the pineal gland, there's no change in pituitary weight. Administering melatonin does not restore concentrations to normal levels, suggesting that the pineal gland influences the secretion of these follicle-stimulating hormone and luteinizing hormone by the pituitary gland through an unknown transmitting molecule. So that's unknown. So that's interesting. That's something that science is like, eh, not sure on. The pineal gland contains receptors for a regulatory neuropeptide. When endothelin-1 is injected in very small quantities into the lateral cerebral ventricle, it leads to an increase in pineal glucose metabolism mediated by calcium. So calcium is going to become important here. Tell us about the regulation of bone metabolism. Apparently, I was wrong about getting out of the science, but we'll get out of the science in in just a minute. Studies conducted in mice have indicated that melatonin produced by the pineal gland plays a role in regulating the formation of new bone. The action of pineal-derived melatonin on bone cells occurs through the activation of MT2 receptors. This finding suggests that targeting this pathway could have potential implications for the treatment of osteoporosis. Specifically, the study demonstrates the therapeutic effects of oral melatonin treatment in a mouse model of postmenopausal osteoporosis. This suggests that melatonin supplementation may have a beneficial impact on bone health in individuals with osteoporosis. And that's interesting because now we're going to talk about calcium. Yeah, it's interesting how much, I mean, even if the science stuff is boring and we're going to cut probably some of it out, it's interesting to see like kind of the impact this little gland has because you said it was the size of a grain of rice. Yeah, but receives just a massive amount of blood flow too. Mm -hmm. So... Let's talk about calcification. This is a big thing in recent times where people are finding, hey, these, this is not good for your pineal gland. Calcification of the pineal gland is a common occurrence in young adults and can even be observed in children as young as two years old. The internal secretions of the pineal gland are known to inhibit the development of reproductive glands. So, what that means is if your pineal gland is working correctly and is not calcified or 
gummed up or whatever you want to say, you're not going to be getting boobs at six years old. You're not going to be, you know, your reproductive organs aren't going to develop as quickly and you, in theory, won't sexualize as quickly, which means that if you have a healthy pineal gland, you'll develop sexually later and get to have a life as a kid instead of trying to, you know, be an adult when you're eight, nine, ten years old and dealing with adult sexual issues and, and reproductive issues, you know, including getting your period. So right. it's very important. Yeah, I don't know if I've ever mentioned this or if we've ever talked about it. We, we may have. Uh, Kim and I attribute this to crop dusting, kind of as a joke. Mm-hmm. But in the little town in northern Illinois that she's originally from, it's like 2,000 people. Mm-hmm. There are no like little kids. Like in that whole area, mm-hmm. it seems like there are no little kids. You know, we were in this park one day and this like group of girls came and they were playing softball or whatever. And I was kind of watching them and I, you know, I realized like there's there's more of them than make sense. You know, like each class in their high school, like the whole senior class is like 30 kids. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, there's, is there like a community college around here? Like, where are they coming from? Mm-hmm. And she's like, oh, this is like the seventh grade team. But they were all like 5'8". Mm-hmm. Like, they look like grown women. And I was like, mm-hmm. what is wrong with the people here? <laughs> like, right. It, and I, I've I thought about it again recently because we were looking through some photos that we've taken like just over the last 10 years. Mm-hmm. And Kim's little sister was, she's significantly younger than Kim and she was in like seventh or eighth grade the first time I met her. Mm-hmm. And I have pictures from her eighth grade graduation because mm-hmm. they do an eighth grade graduation ceremony there. And she looks the same as she does, you know, in her 20s. Hmm. it's really strange like there's there's something going on with like the chemicals or something in the water where she looks as much like a woman in 8th grade as she does today you know Mm -hmm. at 21 well we'll we'll talk about that but as you know if the pineal gland is severely damaged in children it can lead to accelerated development of the sexual organs and skeleton Pineal gland calcification has a negative impact on its ability to produce melatonin. Although the scientific literature does not provide conclusive evidence on whether it directly causes sleep problems, the calcified pineal gland can often be seen in x-rays. The rates of pineal gland calcification vary significantly across the countries and tend to increase with age. It's estimated that around 40% of Americans have calcification in their pineal gland by the age of 17. The calcification of the pineal gland is associated with the presence of corpora arenacea, which is also known as brain sand. So this is scary. Why is our pineal gland calcifying? so early now there are tumors that can develop you know on the gland too you want to get into that a little bit sure these tumors are uncommon with 50 to 70 percent of cases being germinomas that arise from embryonic germ cells that are sequestered in the pineal gland histologically pinealomas resemble testicular seminomas and ovarian 
dysgerminomas. It's interesting that their tumors that develop are similar to reproductive system tumors. Additionally, these tumors can compress the cerebral aqueduct, causing non-communicating hydrocephalus. Other symptoms arise due to the pressure effects from the tumor and may include visual disturbances, headaches, mental deterioration, and in some cases, dementia-like behavior. Pineal tumors are classified into three categories based on their level of differentiation and neoplastic aggressiveness. The location of pineal tumors makes surgical removal challenging. Given the anatomical complexities and potential risks associated with the procedure, surgical intervention is often difficult to perform. And when you're thinking about this, your pineal gland is buried in the middle of your brain. So, yeah, in order to get to that, even, you know, some of the best, you know, brain surgeons are going to have trouble because you're going to have to cut through a lot of stuff to get to it so I mean you know as much as I bash the medical field I don't think that's something that would be easy and it would probably be extremely risky but the morphology of the pineal gland differs markedly in different pathological conditions it's known that its volume is reduced both in obese patients as well as patients with primary insomnia which I have, so great. The pineal gland is found in nearly all vertebrate species. From an evolutionary perspective, the pineal gland can be seen as a reduced or atrophied photoreceptor. In certain species of amphibians and reptiles, it's associated with a light-sensing organ called the parietal eye, also known as the pineal eye or third eye. In most vertebrates, exposure to light triggers a series of enzymatic reactions within the pineal gland that regulate circadian rhythms. In humans and other mammals, light signals necessary for setting circadian rhythms are transmitted from the eye to the pineal gland. Hey, is that a pine cone in your head or are you just happy to see me? We'll talk about the history of pineal gland research after a quick break. exact secretory activity of the pineal gland is not fully understood, despite all the stuff we've just been telling you. Its deep location within the brain has led philosophers throughout history to attribute special significance to it. This combination of factors has resulted in the pineal gland being regarded as a mystery gland, surrounded by mystical, metaphysical, and occult theories about its functions. The earliest recorded description of the pineal gland comes from the Greek physician Galen in the 2nd century CE. According to Galen, Herophilus had already considered the structure as a type of valve that separated the brain chamber, specifically facilitating the flow of vital spirits. Gallen, in his work, Usefulness of Parts of the Body, described the pineal gland. He introduced the name canario or canarium, which means cone, referring to its shape resembling a pine cone. It is situated outside of the brain tissue and does not have independent movement. Instead, Gallen identified a worm-like structure in the cerebellum as the valve. 
In his study of the blood vessels surrounding the pineal gland, Gallen discovered the great vein of the cerebellum, later known as the vein of Gallen. However, he could not determine a specific functional role for the pineal gland and considered it primarily as a structural support for the cerebral veins. Rene Descartes, a philosopher and scientist in the 17th century, who we've already mentioned a little bit before, discussed the pineal gland in his works, including Treaties of Man and the Passions of the Soul. Descartes regarded the pineal gland as the principal seed of the soul, as we've mentioned before, and believed it to be the place where thoughts are formed. He emphasized its importance as the only unpaired component of the brain. During the 17th century, the Latin name Penilis became popular. However, English physician Thomas Willis criticized Descartes' concept, expressing doubt that the pineal gland could truly be the seat of the soul, as even animals lacking higher mental faculties have a well-developed pineal gland. In 1918, Swedish zoologist Nils Horngren described the parietal eye in frogs and dogfish, recognizing it as a light-sensing organ composed of sensory cells similar to the cone cells found in the retina. This discovery suggested that the parietal eye served as a primitive photoreceptor. Initially, the pineal gland was believed to be a vestigial remnant of a larger organ. However, in 1917, it was discovered that an extract of cow pineals had a lightening effect on frog skin. How the fuck did they ever figure that out? Right. Like, they're they're trying to, you know, break the code of the universe. You know, this is the seat of the soul. Well, you know what we should do? We should pull Let's... out a pineal gland, blend it up, and, and squirt it at a frog. <laughs> Right, just in case there's like a Michael Jackson frog that wants to have lighter skin, right? I mean, Kermit told us a long time ago, it ain't easy being green, so. (laughs) Building on this observation, dermatology professor Aaron B. Lerner, great name for professor, and his colleagues at Yale University isolated and named the hormone melatonin in 1958. Although melatonin did not prove effective in treating skin diseases as initially hoped, its discovery helped shed light on several mysteries surrounding the pineal gland. These included the accelerated ovary growth observed in rats after pineal removal, the decrease in pineal gland weight in rats exposed to constant light, and the similar effects of pinealectomy and constant light on ovary growth. These findings provided significant insights for the emerging field of chronobiology. Among the endocrine organs, the function of the pineal gland was the last to be discovered, with its characterization as a melatonin-producing gland emerging relatively late in scientific understanding. Whew, what about society and culture? The concept of the pineal gland holds significance in the philosophy of George Bataille, as explored by literary scholar Dennis Hollier in his book Against Architecture. Hollier discusses how Bataille employs the notion of a pineal eye as a symbol of a blind spot within Western rationality, representing a site of excess and delirium. Probably some enigma mixed in there, too. In the late 19th century... Madame Blavatsky, the founder of Theosophy, associated the pineal gland with the Hindu concept of the third eye, also known as the Anya Chakra. Lovecraft's story, From Beyond, features a scientist who creates a device that emits resonance waves, stimulating the pineal gland of individuals and allowing them to perceive alternate planes of existence beyond conventional reality. This translucent and alien environment overlaps with our recognized reality. 
story was adapted into a film of the same name in 1986, and the 2013 horror film Banshee Chapter draws heavy inspiration from Lovecraft's original tale. Haven't seen it, but it's on the list. But how does the pineal gland affect mental health? Find out after a quick break. Secretion of melatonin has been observed in individuals with affective disorders such as major depressive disorder (MDD) and bipolar disorder (BD). However, previous magnetic resonance imaging studies investigating the volume of the pineal gland, which plays a role in regulating circadian rhythms through melatonin secretion, have yielded inconsistent results in these patients. One study used MRI to examine pineal gland volumes and the prevalence of pineal cysts in individuals with MDD, both currently depressed and remitted patients, BD patients, and matched controls. The study included 56 MDD patients, 29 currently depressed and 27 in remission, 26 BD patients, and a corresponding number of healthy controls, 33 for MDD and 24 for BD. The results showed that pineal volumes and cyst prevalence in the current MDD, remitted MDD, and BD groups did not significantly differ from those of the healthy controls. However, within the MDD subgroup, individuals with non-melancholic depression had significantly smaller pineal gland volumes compared to those with melancholic depression. Interestingly, pineal volumes were negatively correlated to the severity of loss of interest in the current MDD group. The study did not find any association between pineal volumes and medication use or the number of effective episodes in the MDD or BD group. So melancholic depression is generally, uh, I believe, described as a type of depression that affects you physically as well so you would be tired you would be unmotivated uh you know someone some of the things that you should do to pull out of this are things you don't want to do like go for a walk in the morning or exercise in the afternoon uh but yeah so the melancholic i believe is just has a physical effect on you not just mentally but Do you want to know about calcification of the pineal gland according to WebMD? Show. The pineal gland plays the role of controlling your sleep patterns, as we've mentioned. How you make decisions? Hmm. How you perceive reality? Hmm. The gland produces a hormone called melatonin for these functions, so it's not just for sleep. For peak performance and psychological development, the pineal gland must remain healthy. It must remain healthy. This is coming from WebMD. This is not coming from Alex Jones. All right. Calcification of the pineal gland. Sometimes the pineal gland develops calcium spots, also known as calcification. Unlike most of your brain, the blood-brain barriers don't fully protect the gland from the rest of the body. Instead, it receives a significant amount of blood flow 
second only to the kidneys. You guessed it. The gland is also surrounded by an immersed in cerebrospinal fluid. This causes it to camp out in a tiny area behind the pituitary gland. The pineal gland is not the only part of the body that can become calcified, and the crystals can also form in the joints, heart valves, and breast tissue. Sometimes calcification impairs the functioning of the affected organ. In the case of pineal calcifications, the gland can become unable to produce melatonin. If you don't produce melatonin, then you're going to have problems with your circadian rhythm or sleep cycle. And according to WebMD, you could have problems with making decisions in how you perceive reality. That's pretty scary. You know that this, I guess, well-trusted website is telling us that these these actions are affected when your pineal gland gets calcified. So, what causes pineal calcification? Scientists don't know for sure why calcification of the pineal gland happens, but there are a few theories. As you age, the pineal gland may calcify. However, some studies have found that pineal gland calcifications in infants. This dispels the theory that aging is a contributing factor to the calcification. Another theory proposes that the more active the pineal gland is metabolically, the higher the likelihood that it would calcify. Another theory suggests that if you have certain chronic medical conditions, you have a higher likelihood of developing pineal gland calcification. Calcification of the gland also increases your likelihood of developing chronic conditions like migraines, Alzheimer's disease, and schizophrenia. Many believe that fluoride calcifies the pineal gland as well. Fluoride is one of the main ingredients in Prozac, so you, you have pretty teeth in exchange for a calcified pineal gland, which studies have shown can cause sleep problems, and more studies needed to tie a calcified pineal gland with MDD and BD. Fluoride's also in the water. Exactly. Fluoride's in your toothpaste, fluoride's in the water, fluoride's everywhere. And they switch things around. So they'll say... Uh, oh, it's not sodium fluoride that's being put in there. Uh, it's silica fluoride or fluoride silica. And it's like, it kind of sounds the same to me. I don't know. But it's being handed out to us everywhere we look. Uh, they tell you that, you know, you're not going to have a good smile, your teeth are going to fall out and stuff like that if you don't get fluoride. But, I mean, I don't think that having bad teeth is worse than, you know, having melancholic depression and being bipolar and not being able to sleep and having your uh, perception of reality messed up and your decision-making messed up. So, I don't know. Where does it you know, where does it end? Because I would rather have bad teeth than a calcified pineal gland. It's much sure. easier to fix bad teeth than a bad gland that's, you know, they'd have to cut half your brain out to fix. Yeah, you could get, like, the full metal work up, like uh, Jaws from Moonraker. Absolutely. Absolutely. Like, bite, what is he, he bites into, like, an eight ball? I don't not, even not the drug, like like a, an actual <laughs> eight ball from the pool table. Yeah, it could be both because he seems like a cokehead. But uh, yeah, 
maybe. Yeah. So there's all this stuff out there to clog up your pineal gland, we'll say. So who benefits if a calcified pineal gland leads to the necessity of antidepressants, mood stabilizers, and sleep meds? Huh. Could it be Big Pharma? <gasps> I'm right. It's Big Pharma. And I also heard, I didn't have a chance to verify yet, but 75% of the FDA budget comes from, ding, 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 Big Pharma. Can you say conflict of interest? All right, tell us about some other stuff. <laughs> there is mixed research on the symptoms of pineal calcification. Some potential signs may include insomnia and migraine attacks. Some research shows that a reduction in the production of melatonin causes older adults to have disruptions in their sleep pattern. For example, they may feel sleepy during the day and stay awake at night. And then that's also a contributor to sundowners, right? Like they have to have the windows all open and let as much sunlight in as possible or they're depressed all day. It's really weird how, like my wife's grandma had sundowners and she was pretty okay during the day with the sun out and you know, all the light and everything. But when it started to get dark, that's when she, you know, like her dementia kind of picked up at night, if that makes sense, you know, like it got worse. So there's that. Anyway, how do we promote a healthy pineal gland? You can preserve the health of the pineal gland by preventing its premature calcification. Create an environment that promotes the proper functioning of the gland. Getting high quality sleep every night is crucial for optimal function. Which is damned if you do is damned if you don't because it's like, well, I'm trying to get it to work, but it's not working and yeah. Another factor affecting your sleep quality is blue light. You know, everybody's phone now has some kind of mode where the screen gets more yellow over the course of the day to stop blue light. I think it'd be a lot better if the phone just didn't really function in the evening except for phone calls. Uh, but yeah. that's just me. Blue light suppresses the production of melatonin for up to four hours. So when you go to sleep, your bedroom should be as dark as possible. Indirect sun exposure is essentially... Your eyes need indirect sunlight exposure to function correctly. Indirect. Don't look right into it. Ah, while these findings do not suggest a relationship between pineal volumes and abnormal melatonin secretion in affective disorders, they do suggest that pineal gland abnormalities may be associated with specific clinical subtypes of MDD and their symptomatology. Symptomatology sounds like a made-up word, but that's what <laughs> I've got in my notes. Study of symptoms. Further research is needed to fully understand the implications of these observations. <laughs> this is what people are listening for. They want to hear the, the drippy hippie kind of stuff. Absolutely. So how does my third eye work? There's lots of benefits for opening up the third eye chakra. And you may be familiar with this term if you are into meditation or yoga. The pineal gland, often referred to as the third eye chakra, is considered a vital center located in a higher energy field. It's believed to provide access to realms beyond our normal sensory perception, including those that cannot be seen, tasted, physically felt, heard, or smelled. The gland is associated with a powerful sixth sense that goes beyond our five basic human senses. 
It manifests itself through gut feelings or intuitive sensations, such as somebody watching you from across the room, or, hmm, I feel like there may be somebody hiding in that alley. As the understanding and acceptance of the quantum field theory grows, it suggests a divine interconnectedness among all beings. And more scientists are considering the phenomenon of third eye intuition as a valid and verifiable concept. It's important to note that these ideas stem from metaphysical and spiritual beliefs, and while they may hold personal significance for some individuals, they are not universally accepted within scientific communities. The concept of the third eye and its related abilities remain subjective and are not currently supported by empirical evidence. So, Ryan, how do you know when your third eye chakra is open and activated? Have you ever gotten a feeling that someone you love was in danger and moments later got a call to justify your feelings? Have you ever thought of someone seconds before they email or text you? The proverbial saying, all you need to know is already contained within, is quite true and practical today. And through meditation, you can harness and develop this ability to an impossible level. Many highly successful people owe, whether knowingly or unknowingly, their fame and fortune to developing and trusting the data received from their activated third eye, making it no coincidence that such a great majority of successful people practice meditation. Being able to know the unknown and see the unseen is a valuable superpower indeed. And I'll tell you about the benefits of activating your third eye after a quick break. Third eye activation benefit number one, razor sharp intuition, harness the wisdom within. Just as it helps you achieve higher states of consciousness, greater self-awareness, deeper emotional mastery, while easily handling the stress of the day, meditation also tunes you in to an innate gift that we all share, intuition. With traditional cultures around the world seeing intuition as man's most important sense, third eye meditation has been practiced for centuries. In the beginning of your meditation practice, you'll realize just how much inner intelligence you already have at your fingertips. And once you start seeing the massive benefits, you'll have all the motivation you need to continue opening and activating your third eye to its fullest capacity. Great health? Your third eye intuition knows how to restore. Better relationships? Your third eye intuition knows how to attract. More career and financial success? Your third eye intuition knows the step-by-step -step process. Knowing and fulfilling your true life purpose? Your third eye intuition knows precisely why you have chosen this life currently. How much better would your life be if your inner infinite wisdom was available at your beck and call. Luckily, meditation is the very best solution. Ryan, tell us about the second benefit of third eye meditation. We're all human. 
<laughs> Mostly. Are we? And while we all want to live without fear, worry only perpetuates more worry. After all, like attracts like, especially true with our thoughts. Meditation's true power comes from its ability to change the nature of our thoughts from the root. The result? Less and less worry, anxiety, and negative thinking. And when this baggage is cleared from the mind, what takes its place will be of the highest order, perfectly in tune with the omnipresent law of attraction. As your third eye opens up more and more, your mental, emotional, and physical state will flourish, helping you attract higher level souls into your life, resulting in new and better relationships on all fronts. Which is interesting because I actually tried meditation years ago and I wouldn't say that they are related to each other, but I did have some friends that I kind of just realized were problematic. Mm -hmm. You know, just all they wanted to do was drink. All they wanted to do was like go to bars and stuff like that. And it's like, so you sent them all to me. Maybe Thanks. I should. Yeah. yeah. Did you get them? You got them? Yeah, That's good. They em. showed up in like a GMC Sonoma and they handed you a beer and a cigarette as soon as they showed up. And now they're dead. <laughs> but yeah, as soon as, uh, I don't know, as soon as I kind of just distanced myself from them, like everything in my life got a lot better. Absolutely. You know? And I, it's probably just a matter of like not spending your time doing stuff like that, but it is true that you can do things to relieve stress and anxiety in your life and it will sort of snowball you'll realize more and more opportunities to do that typically well people don't give meditation as much of a chance as they have to i mean it is something brand new to most people think of going into a coding class right computer coding like oh you know how to check your email you know how to watch youtube you know how to play on tiktok all day you know how to spend all your money on timu and amazon and stuff like that that's the brain you're in right now hmm. but when you know you open up your third eye you're going to have it's going to be like you know deep web access like you're going to have access to everything instead of just these basic and i'm not uh, advocating for the dark web or deep web or anything i'm just saying that there is like a surface level of intuition that is the youtube and facebook and stuff like that and then there's also you know some really kind of deep-seated things that you can access but going back to walking into your coding class you know how to do all that right but you don't know how to code for building a website or you know whatever you're trying to do so you're going into something completely new and you can't go in to like three classes and be like oh yeah i mean i designed this algorithm for this no it's going to take a long time and meditation can be similar for some people it will be quick for some people it, it will take a long time but it's something that you have to practice or you will not be good at it that's why baseball players go out and you know take a thousand swings every day in batting practice before they go out in the game and it's just something that you have to work at and you have to have patience so it's something that you can have immediate benefits but the longer you practice it, the more, I don't want to say powers you'll have, but the, the more understanding and deepness and fulfilling life you'll have, I think. Tell us about the, uh, 
benefit number three, because I think it's going to get crazy. Sure. Session after session, meditation naturally shifts your consciousness into higher and higher states, releasing anxiety and worry from each present moment of your life. Your stress spiraling concerns over how to pay for your looming mortgage, student loan, and credit card bill will soon evaporate. And in its place will be clear and present thoughts on how to be so successful that the premeditation version of you seems laughable. A bit like looking back at the person you were in high school. Night and day difference. Suddenly, with an open and activated third eye, everything comes into perspective. As life's petty worries go to the wayside, a picture of your true life purpose and how to fulfill it becomes clear. And it's true. I meditate. My third eye opens. I realize bars, not the way to make money. Feet finder. <laughs> Feet finder is the way to make money. There you go. <laughs> Recruit talent. I, it's true. <laughs> Content. <laughs> well, I think of it like this. All right. Pre-meditation practice, you're walking through New York City. People are bumping into you. It's loud. It stinks. It's noisy. There's just noise everywhere. And then with an open third eye, it's like a hike through the woods. Mm. You can block that stuff out. And I don't know. I'm a big proponent proponent of meditation, but it takes a lot of practice and we've got a meditation plan for you at the end so okay if you've ever wondered what waits for you out there but you're not quite sure what out there is know this it's nothing to be afraid of the truth is out there yeah as yeah as cited in the famous documentary series x-files any questions you have about your life like whether or not to start a new career or what to do about your current relationship or how to accomplish your biggest goals and dreams can be answered from the wealth of information contained within with meditation serving as the best avenue by activating your third eye meditation allows you to see understand and enjoy the sights and sounds of the once hidden world allowing you to optimize and perfect your life using this vast reserve of divine information Uh, But what are the best frequencies for opening up the third eye and decalcifying the pineal gland? And we love frequencies. We talked about them in the sound bombing episode. So if you have not listened to that episode, please go back and listen. But some of the most popular and well-known third eye activation frequencies are 963 hertz, 852 hertz, 639 hertz, and 528 hertz and there's several other out there but these are pretty common you can find these on youtube without any problem and when you're listening to these try and use headphones to listen even ear like noise canceling earbuds would be great i did this yesterday for a while and and i calmed down you know i was stressed out about working on my truck and I was listening to some true crime podcast and I just said, you know what? I'm frustrated. I'm going to throw on some of these frequencies and it was helpful. And these things work without your knowledge, right? It's kind of like uh, they're secretly repairing your third eye. Above and beyond, these powerful pineal gland activation and decalcification frequencies are many other configuration options. And you can look into this a little bit a little bit more if you want i didn't want to get into it much today but there's meditation depth where theta is highly recommended uh theta waves that would be 
there's tone structure and brainwave entrainment method. So those are some other things you can experiment, look them up on YouTube and see what you think. But which meditation style works best for the third eye? For opening the third eye chakra, it's recommended that you use a mindfulness meditation, which also happens to be the most popular and scientifically backed technique. Well, here we go. This is some interesting stuff. Tell us about head binding in the third eye. Artificial cranial deformation or modification, head flattening or head binding is a form of body alteration in which the skull of a human being is deformed intentionally. There's a big trend in Asia called bagel facing where they fill up their forehead with uh, some kind of solution and it makes a big bubble on their forehead and then they press in the middle to make it look like they've got a bagel on their forehead, which is weird as fuck. But going back to third eye stuff, uh, the... So in Chinese medicine, which some of it's probably pretty good, like the body lines and stuff like that, uh, acupuncture, I don't believe that rhino horns will, you know, give you a big, strong erection, but they got some stuff right. And they believe that the earlobe, the bottom of the earlobe is connected to the mind or the third eye. And so that's why they started wearing uh, gems in their ears because they thought that the gems would kind of collect the light and send it to the third eye. So that's pretty interesting. But how could the head binding be related to the third eye? Like, why would they do that? It is done by distorting the normal growth of a child's skull by applying force. Flat shapes, elongated ones produced by binding between two pieces of wood, rounded ones by binding in cloth, and conical ones are among those chosen or valued in various cultures. Typically, the shape alteration is carried out on an infant as the skull is most pliable at this time. In a typical case, head binding begins approximately a month after birth and continues for about six months. So far, science says it's all for aesthetic purposes. But some think the purpose of head binding was to change the placement of the pineal gland to introduce higher states of consciousness and even elevated knowledge and abilities. Maybe Count Saint Germain had a somewhat bound head and his pineal gland was activated. Oh, I'm sure that his pineal gland was totally activated totally turbocharged what are your final thoughts on the third eye i think there's a lot that we didn't dig into but i think this is a good introduction Uh you know i've seen just there's a lot in i don't even know what to call it like magic or sort of mystical practices that really focus on the pineal gland or the you know, the image of a pine cone to focus mm-hmm. on that because so much of it is, is focused on that. I've even heard of people uh, seeing basically a pine cone-like structure when they're tripping on LSD. Mm-hmm. Well, we see throughout history that pine cones are used in art all the time. Why is there always pine cones in this stuff? It doesn't, you know, it doesn't make sense. Yeah, so... I mean, a gland that influences your perception of reality. 
I definitely dated a girl who had damage to her pineal gland, if that's the case. Mm-hmm. But I think there's, yeah, I think, I think there's a lot more to this. We could probably do a follow-up episode if we really wanted to. Yeah, I I think probably the most important thing that we talked about it was uh, the most important thing we talked about during this was probably the idea that meditation is good because I just think in general meditation is always yeah probably a good idea you know I've talked before about one of the things that I do to meditate is shooting mm-hmm. it's people find that weird but I find it very relaxing you focus you mm-hmm. know kind of your body on this mechanical thing that you're doing and then the rest of your mind can kind of wander I know some people do it by driving they go for a drive because mm-hmm. you know there, there have been studies that show that kind of the way, if you're used to driving, the way you think of your car and the way you move your car, it's the pathways are similar to moving your own body. So your car is almost like an extension of your body. And you're just, for sure. really what you're doing is just letting your mind wander because driving is pretty automatic for most of us. Yeah. And I really do think that it's useful because I know I've meditated actually by, you know, sitting still and doing it the way you're kind of supposed to. Yeah. And as I do, just the things that I'm worried about come into view and they seem so simple or so trivial Mm -hmm. and it's just super helpful and people should make time for it more often. If you eat healthy and you exercise, meditation's got to be part of your, your health routine and you don't have to be in great shape to start meditating. You know, you don't have to. Uh, get a clearance from your doctor to meditate you don't you know what I mean it's it's safe and helpful for everyone in every walk of life even kids I try and get my kids to meditate like doing yoga and stuff now do they no but you know it's introduced that's all I can do Um, are you done with your final thoughts because I've got one sentence yeah I think I'm done I think I've said enough Your pineal gland is your universal antenna. It gives you access to things that you you wouldn't normally have access to. It's your brain's Wi-Fi that connects you with the universe. Because I know you like to say that the brain is kind of a receptor, an antenna type deal that connects us. But I think the pineal gland is the structure that is the antenna of the universe that's good that's good i thought i was done with my final thoughts but yeah that actually kind of an idea like that occurred to me when we were talking about you know the pineal gland being a uh, point of access for divine information and things like that mm-hmm. it, it made me think of my my laptop mm-hmm. <laughs> i have i have a little a little like super thin laptop it's arm based it's not terribly powerful but what's interesting about it is it has an LTE radio in it hmm. and I was thinking like yeah the pineal glands like the little LTE radio on my laptop like not the most useful thing on its own but when you activate this little part of it it has this connection to everything else and suddenly you have a wealth of information so yeah, I, I, I like, you know, I just thought like, that was just a thought that occurred to me that I didn't think was worth saying, but 
Yeah, I like that you put that. I think that's probably right. It is something, you know, maybe it's not the seed of the soul, but it's like the connection for your soul with the rest of the universe Mm -hmm. or with the force or whatever it is you believe in in particular. (laughs) Absolutely. So we are going to read you a meditation and it's just a basic kind of starter meditation for you and hopefully it's something that you can go back to you know whenever you need to kind of detox or de-stress or you know it's a great starting jump off point and then we also have an, an episode from a while back that has a couple meditations in it that you guys can practice but stay tuned after the outro for your meditation that's all we've got for you tonight Tell them what they need to know. As I said at the opening of this, Crypt Keepers, please show us a little love on your platform of choice. Likes, subscriptions, comments, reviews, all that is very helpful. You can email us with anything you'd like to hear at crypticpodcast at gmail.com. Or if you're interested in more stuff about the pineal gland, or if you have third eye experiences, I'd like to, I mean, I would particularly like to hear about it. I'm sure everybody listening could as well. Uh, you can connect with us on TikTok at Cryptique underscore podcast and YouTube at Cryptique Podcast. Don't miss out on the paranormal shirts from Parabox. The link is in the show notes. And you can check out our own stuff at CryptiquePodcastStore.com. And as always, keep supporting, sharing, and just enjoying these mysteries and conspiracies with us. Absolutely. And tune in Thursday for the after party about a man who lived for 555 days without a heart in his chest. Sounds unbelievable, right? Tune in Thursday to find out. Absolutely unbelievable. Good evening, Crypt Keepers. Stay tuned after the outro for your meditation. So we're going to do the meditation now. So if you're driving, you'll probably want to turn this off. I'm also going to be playing a binaural beat that's going to hopefully help decalcify your third eye, even if just a little bit. Here's a short mindfulness meditation that you can practice. Find a comfortable and quiet space where you can sit or lie down without any distractions. Close your eyes gently or lower your gaze if you prefer to keep your eyes open. Take a few deep breaths, inhaling slowly through your nose and exhaling 
through your mouth. Allow your body to relax with each breath, letting go of any tension or tightness. Shift your attention to the sensations in your body. Notice the weight of your body on the chair or the points of contact with the ground. Feel the support beneath you. Bring awareness to your breath. Follow the natural rhythm of your breathing without trying to change it. Notice the sensation of breath as it enters and leaves your body. You can focus on the rise and fall of your abdomen or the feeling of air passing through your nostrils. As you focus on your breath, thoughts may arise. Acknowledge them without judgment and let them go, gently returning your attention to the breath each time. Allow your mind to settle into the present moment. Expand your awareness to include your surroundings. Notice any sounds, sensations, or smells that you can perceive. Be fully present in this moment without trying to analyze or judge what you experience. If your mind wanders, which is normal, gently guide your attention back to the breath or the present moment. Remember, mindfulness is a practice of gentle redirection and non-judgment. Continue this practice for a few minutes or as long as you like. When you're ready to end the meditation, Take a moment to appreciate the stillness and presence you cultivated. Remember, mindfulness is a skill that develops with practice. Even a short meditation can have a positive impact on your well-being and help you cultivate a greater sense of calm and awareness in your daily life.